And welcome to another episode. This is episode number 469. I'm Mike. Uh, I'm not Mike Miller. I'm Ricky Gantz with Mike Miller. And together we are G220 Radio. <laughs> I was looking at you. I was trying to change the intro a little bit there and it, it messed me up, Mike. But how are we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to have you back on the show. Everything seems to run smoother when you're here. <laughs> yeah, like uh, technology wise. But uh yeah, glad to be back. Uh, Nathaniel's not with us. He is preparing to go to the Super Bowl this week, so we want to keep him in prayer. Uh, he will be out there preaching with uh, a bunch of brothers from Sports Fan Outreach International. So, uh, again, if you uh, think about it, keep them in prayer as they're out there proclaiming the gospel on the streets. Uh, tonight, as I said, this is episode number 469. We're going to be talking, the title is Life in a Fishbowl. We're, we're balancing ministry and family, uh, and I have two friends and pastors on the program with uh, us tonight. We have uh, Stephen Stanley. He is the pastor at Redeeming Grace Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. Uh, and then we have Jason Hilliard, uh, who is the pastor at Faith Baptist Church in Duncanville, Texas, and he is an adjunct professor at Dallas Baptist University. And so I'm, I'm thankful to have them both with us here tonight. Stephen, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. And uh, Pastor Jason, glad to have you as well. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure, man. All right, so so this this topic is kind of one that, you know, i kind of been thinking about. I've just give you a little... Um, little background of what kind of was running through my head when I was thinking about this. I have some friends who are pastors and I have other people who do ministry and they're, they have children, right? And I started to think about what about the pressures that some of the children may have being a pastor's kid. And then as somebody who goes out on the street, sometimes uh, when you're engaging with people, you come across and Stephen, you've probably engaged with, with many of these yourself, maybe yourself, even pastor Jason, where you're talking to someone who they'll say, Oh yeah, I know all these things. I'm a pastor's kid. But really when you're talking to him, you're like, this kid really doesn't get the gospel. He doesn't really understand it. So as I'm trying to think about some of those things and then balancing that with, with family life, because I know that ministry is a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. It, it is, it is, you know, only by the grace of God that he gives us the, the ability to do that. He puts people into those positions to pastor, uh, to shepherd, uh, the, the under, uh, shepherd to be the under shepherd of the churches that he, uh, in, you know, uh, entrust to them. And, but it's a, it's a very busy schedule. You meet with people, you counsel, you have so many duties going on. And how do we balance that with our family life? Because sometimes you can, you know, I've even been guilty of it in the past where I've been doing ministry, 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 and I'm like, okay, I've kind of neglected, you know, my family or time with them, you know, and so how, how can we go about balancing that? So that's kind of where my mind was going in thinking about this topic here tonight uh, and, and really looking forward to hearing from both of you guys and then just talking about this, this, this uh, um, situation. Mike. Anything that goes through your mind as you're talking or thinking about this as well? Yeah, just my own thought as a lay person, how, you know, I think of a pastor and like their kids and even teaching the pastor's kids like I do now. And, um, and just kind of reforming the idea that I can't be setting them on some pedestal as if they're kind of holier because they're the pastor's kid. Um, they're just as equally a sinner as my two. And um, so it's taken me some time to reframe that thought. Cause I think being a pastor 
there is a certain honor given to that position. Um, it may be un, and unwat or unintentionally, the kids are also held up to that same standard, um, which isn't shouldn't always be, especially if they're not believers, because they're still sinners. Yeah. So that's basically kind of where we're we're coming from with this program here. Um, before we even get into discussing like some of the things that we've we've mentioned here, I want to let you guys go ahead and give your thoughts on this as a as a, a broad overview of of this this uh, topic tonight. So uh, we'll start with you, Pastor Stephen. Uh, go ahead and tell us when it comes to balancing family and ministry and an overview of it, and then we'll go to you, Pastor Jason, and then we'll kind of try to break that down throughout the program and and uh, see where it goes. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for for having me on, guys. It's I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a very important topic, as as you know that um, we can make an idol just about out of anything, including our own ministries. So it, it is uh, extremely important. Just to put it in context, um, just a, a little bit about me, uh, so you know where I'm coming from, because I think this question will be answered differently depending on. The, the individual uh, person in ministry and where they're at. So my situation is probably going to look different mm-hmm. than Pastor Jason's or yours, mm-hmm. Ricky, you know, as far as, uh, you know, children and those kinds of things and home life. So, you know, the, I, uh, I'm bivocational. So uh, I am planting a church and pastoring a church and I work between 40 and 60 hours a week as a nurse practitioner um, in surgery. So, um, you know, that takes a, a, obviously a lot of my time. Our services at church are, you know, traditional kind of Wednesday night Bible study, prayer meeting, and and Sunday service, morning service, no evening service. So um, we don't have a, a whole lot of, uh, of services as compared to maybe some other churches. So that's kind of my context. And my kids, uh, again, how it's going to look different, I think, for, you know, and, and how we answer this question is, um, you know, like my kids are 17 and 18 now, you know, so I, I'm <laughs> I'm looking to get them out of the house pretty soon. And we're looking at colleges and, and things like that. So, you know, people with uh, small children like yourself and, uh, you know, that I think that's going to look differently and how much really time and attention um, you know, they, they kind of demand. So, um, but, you know, first Timothy three, uh, very clear that, uh, when it's talking about the minister, uh, the elder, you know, it says that he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, uh, for if anyone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how we care for God's church. I mean, really, um, you know, our wife and our, our wives and our children are, are a big part of why we're qualified to, to be an elder. So, you know, we, we have to certainly find that balance. But I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe the first kind of question to, to kind of put out there. And, and, I, and, I, and I think I'm probably on uh, – as an example of what not to do, and, and probably Pastor Jason is going to give us the <laughs> the, the better example, uh, just because uh, um, I, I don't know how qualified I am to to, to give advice on this. Uh, I, I'm very guilty uh, of um, uh, of not finding that balance. 
even though it's always at the forefront of my mind, I'm always trying. But that, that's, a, I guess, a good question to, to put to you guys, too, just for discussion, is what, how do you define balance, right? Is it X amount of hours per week family, X amount of hours per week ministry? Is it how many weeks per year? I mean, you know, how do you, I don't know, what do you guys think? How, how do you even, what do you call balance? What is balance, you know? Yeah, that's a really good uh, question to kind of define what we're speaking of here. I think we'll go to Pastor Jason and let you kind of give your overview, and then maybe you could speak to balance, and, and we can kind of feed off of that. So I I don't have two yet looking at college. Uh, our oldest is 15, so she's good looking to drive uh, soon. We've been dealing with all the paperwork, you know, that goes along with that. And then 13 years old, um, nine fixing to be 10 years old and then a four-year-old so a broad spectrum uh i i would say i don't have it down perfect uh, but for my situation i know that in past ministry assignments elsewhere when i did youth work uh even my first pastorate which was not here where i'm at now i did not do a good job of balancing well with my family there were times my wife had to kind of you know set me down and go listen you you do have these obligations to you know the students or to the members of the church and, and i know that but you need to not forget your first ministry is here uh, as well. And so there, it just took some times to get that down. I think I'm better about it now than I used to be. Some of that I think is maturity, uh, hopefully in me, but then a lot of it comes down to, I'm very fortunate that the church we're in, uh, you know, they've watched all my kids grow up. They've changed a lot of diapers of my kids. So they, they see them as the pastor's kids, but less and less as the pastor's kids and more as individuals. Uh, and everything. And there's, there's still that, you know, that standard held up where they expect certain behaviors out of, you know, the pastor's kids, or there's a need for volunteer work. Well, we're, you know, automatically it's the pastor's kids. But um, I think for my context, I'm not bivocational. So I am, I am full-time, although uh, Pastor Stephen, I would say that, you know, you know, as well, that even a bivocational pastor, you're still, you're still full-time. There's really no, you may be part-time in pay and maybe obligations and hours, but you're still required to be on 24 uh, seven. And I respect that uh, immensely for you guys to do that. Um, but even, even in doing that, uh, you know, the, you just have to, I think what I've learned in all these years is you, as far as defining it, you just have to set those ba- those boundaries with your church family, with your people there to understand, you know, this is, I'm not going to sacrifice my children on the altar of ministry. Um, you know, so there are times when, you know, I can't answer your phone call right now. If it's urgent, make sure you leave that in some sort of a message so I can get back to you. Otherwise, you know, your question about what time the next thing starts or something is just going to have to wait. Or your complaint about something I said Sunday is just going to have to wait because my kid has needs of me being a program or an activity or event or just spending time together. Uh, we don't want it. We don't want our kids. And I've seen it. And I'm sure all of you have to, to grow up jaded uh, on, uh, if we can avoid it. Now, some of that, that may, you know, just be the, the fallout uh, of it, of in general, but uh, we want to try to lead the, raise them in such a way where they see themselves as individuals who are a part of the body, assuming they're a believer and who obviously need Christ if they're not. Uh, but to do so in such a way where they feel like they haven't, if they are believers, they have an identity inside the body that's not just defined by my pastoral calling. Amen. So as, as I'm thinking about what, what you were saying there, uh, Jason, and, and the balancing, 
it, it's probably not a a management of I'm gonna you know like you were saying Stephen setting up like half of this amount of time is for the church half this amount of it's it's trying to figure out those things that you know um, maybe that are important in your kids' lives or in your your wife's life that you're gonna be a part of and when those things are going on you maybe say hey while this is going on, I'm not going to be taking any calls or any meetings or any of this unless, I mean, and again, even that, I think we would have to understand in our families, because as you said, Pastor Stephen, are a big part of that ministry, that calling, um, have to understand and recognize if there's a death or there's something of serious urgency that may then take that priority at the time. But if it's not, if something like you said, Pastor Jason, where they're just calling to figure out what time some event's going on at the church, you know, that's in another day or, or something that can wait and you have a priority where you're going to do something with your child, something with your family, um, then that's how you would kind of balance it. So not so much a, uh, how this much time is dedicated, but just what are those priorities of the things that you're trying to look at in your family's life and then in the church? Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to be able to triage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was listening. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, dead on. And I, I think one of the things that has helped with like my older two children is if it's a, if it's a hospital visit, that's just your, say your normal, someone has surgery post-op sort of visit or a nursing home visit pre COVID, of course, you know, I try to, t- I t- try to take them with me if they, they want to go. I don't force them to go. A lot of times my oldest, my daughter, she wants to go. She, she knows those people really well. And that, that helps as well for them to not feel like this is dad's job. And now they're taking him away from me, but it's more, you know, this is something we can do as a family and minister together in certain aspects. And it, it makes it feel a little less divided. Yeah. Mike, you was going to say something there, right? Yeah, I was listening. A question was kind of posed to this at a um, in a special event at the Gospel Coalition I attended in relation to Southern Seminary. And Kevin DeYoung was t- answering this question. And he kind of, how he kind of thought through this and to do it is sometimes you have to take time from one place and putting in another place. The problem is, is if you don't take that time and replace it back. So maybe a week where requires more ministry um, and less family time, a pastor needs to, or an elder needs to find a way to also take time away from ministry and invest it back into his family. And that, so then you have these kind of sliding or even economic way where tets and credits and, and to work at it and to, allow each week to be its own, but always prioritizing, okay, last week was really ministry heavy this week. I'm going to back off a little bit, spend more time with the kids or the past couple of weeks are, and try to, I mean, not just pastors. I mean, everyone probably can, can use that advice um, with it. And so that's always been something I've thought about. Um, even like with school and some of those times when I was there about this give and take with it. Um, I think, and that's allows not like that strict, Oh, I've hit my 40 hours of ministry. I'm done, you know, for the week. Uh, I think it allows that a pastor to do his job. And I think, and maybe even on a lay part is especially in like churches where you have a plurality of elders, I don't always have to go to the preaching pastor for help. 
he has elders to help him with this work and to be more conscious. Is this something that my pastor do, or do I just need to reach out to an elder to try to get something going? Um, you know, knowing, or even a church where they have like rotating elders on calls for those type of ideas. And I think, you know, as a lay person to think through those things to help my pastor to not take unnecessary time away from their kids for whatever reason or the, from their family. Yeah. And I think that that's really, really good there, Mike, for us as people who are sitting in the church under, under the leadership of these pastors uh, that are over us or el- other elders that are over us um, to really think about those things and, and recognize that while the pastor is the, our head and spiritually trying to feed us and help us to grow, they also have that family that they don't want to neglect. And we can be a part in blessing them by doing some of those things you, you just suggested there, maybe going to another elder in the church or something, uh, or maybe another leader in the church, uh, a Sunday school teacher, somebody who maybe we can get the same kind of answers from without having to go to the pastor for every little thing um, and, and really just be able to, to bless them in that way to understand and realize that they do have a family and a life as well outside of the church, even though it's, it's all kind of blends together, obviously, because the people that you're shepherding kind of become your family as well. But, you know, as, as Pastor Jason was said, you don't want to see their children become jaded or start to despise the church because they feel like it's pulling away their father. Yeah, I don't think a, uh, a biblical view of eldership and, and deacons, for that matter, um, cannot be uh, overstated. Um, you know, if, if you are a lone wolf, uh, if you will, pastor, uh, like a lot of traditional Southern Baptist churches are, uh, you know, which is the church I'm planning is, but we have a plurality of elders, but um, I came out of the church that I was uh, the sole pastor, and, and um, it wears on you really fast when you're you're the the only go-to guy to a very needy uh, congregation, and especially if you're bivocational and you're working as well. So yeah, definitely uh, that's that's a super important point that Mike brought up there about uh, you know uh, eldership and and having other elders to be able to go to and also deacons are so important you know I, I rely on my deacons to to be my eyes and ears you know that if uh, there's a family in need or there's a uh, something i might not be aware of because i am trying to you know if i'm if i'm not working and i'm not with family and i'm not with you know doing ministry i, I mean those those three things is the only time the only thing i have time for really um then you know I need you know eyes and ears in the church too to uh, to be making me aware of those needs and uh, deacons are are so important in that as well as servants. Yeah. Well, let, let's go here then, um, because Stephen, you you had said about when when we look at the qualification of an elder. And we see that it also mentions that, you know, that they are able to, to manage their household well. Uh, and then it speaks about their wives as well. How important, and, and we'll, we'll start with you here, Pastor Jason, is it to, um, and I don't know how long you've been in ministry, but 
to maybe sit down with your your wife and maybe your kids are too little at the time, but to really work through how taxing this will be on a family to do ministry. And and obviously, as, as you said, Stephen, when you're coming into this, they're a part of that ministry too. So it's not, if your family's not on board with ministry, it's going to make it very difficult for that man to um, to, to perform that duty you know, and, and ultimately, even if they're even qualified or, you know, to be called to that, if their their wife's not in support of that. So you probably have to try to have that conversation to make sure that there's that balance in the home where they know, especially the wife um, knows of this, the, the fact that you may have to take that time to go do things and have those conversations. Jason, any thoughts on that or things you can add to that? So, so yeah, you're, I mean, you're spot on and, and what's been said so far is really uh, been spot on uh, from everyone, but yeah, you, you do have to sit down with your family and, and specifically me, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with my wife and as the kids have gotten older and hit different stages in life and, and ask her to, you know, just kind of help me make sure that uh, the way that I'm leading, the way I'm spending time with them is, you know, that she's not perceiving some sort of a need that I'm not meeting with them or anything that they might tell her that they're not willing to tell me. But when we first, so I've been in ministry now total, almost, almost 20 years, just a little under 20 years, uh, 10 years at this church that I'm at. And I, and I am the, you know, only pastor right now. It's typical Southern Baptist church. Uh, Our, our music minister, is a qualified young man and I'm trying to work, uh, our, I'm trying to work to teach the congregation to see him also as a, as a pastor so that they start to get that idea of, you know, it's not just the Jason that we need to call, or we can call other people or we can call him and someone else or whatever needs to happen. Uh, and I've been very fortunate that, uh, our deacons have really stepped up over the last few years to, to take some of that, that burden as well. Um, but just to be able to sit down with them, you know, in our first two years at this church, we lost 30 some odd members to death. Mm. Uh, there were literally weeks where I had two or three funeral visitations and two or three funerals just day after day after day. And I was gone a lot driving to cemeteries that were way out in the middle of nowhere, you know, being gone with families to greet other family coming in from out of town when, when they get the news of the loved one. Uh, and so our kids kind of got to watch our, our oldest two kids, for sure. Our youngest two, were, one wasn't here and one was still so little. Uh, but they got to see firsthand just how taxing it could be on me. And and one of the things, uh, uh, one of the closest friends I've had in the church, a man named George, and he passed away from cancer a couple of years back or so. Uh, but he sat me down early, early on. Uh, and he told me, he said, you know, you've been doing funeral after funeral after funeral, and I've yet to see you take a day off other than the normal, you know, one day a week or whatever that a pastor usually has out of the office. I said, well, you know, I, you know, we've got some plans to go on a trip, but I'm pushing it back because so-and-so is sick. This person's, you know, seems like they may be close to going home to heaven and this one over here and all this. And he said, you know, it's never going to feel like a good time to take a vacation or a day off and just unplug from ministry per se, uh, with the exception of the emergencies, obviously he said, but you, you have to, you just have to. He said, it's never going to feel like a good time, so do it anyway. Uh, and sure enough, that same, I went ahead and took the two weeks right after everything had kind of slowed down a little bit with some of the deaths. And on my way back from where I'd been, um, his his mom passed away. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, you know, I should, I should have been there. I knew she was near, not super near, but I, I kind of had a feeling. Uh, and he, he was the first one to call me and he said, listen, I just want to call you to let you know it's happened but don't you dare change your plans and come back early 
you know, things aren't going to happen until next week anyway. So you just finish your trip. And, but I just wanted you to know it was okay. And that what had taken place. And I think that for more than anything really helped me learn how to, to set some of those boundaries and limits. I mean, if, if a man's losing his mother and he's still able to extend grace to the pastor, then am I thinking, you know, a lot of other folks should be able to do it as well. And, and that helped a great deal uh, just to get through a difficult time and also reconnect with, with my family whom. I hadn't really seen more than, you know, in passing uh, for a couple of weeks or better. Yeah. What about you, uh, Pastor? Did you, was you going to say something, Mike? Okay. What about you, Pastor uh, Stephen, when it comes to, you know, sitting down with your wife? Because obviously, you know, I've known you for a long time. We've we've uh, been on the streets together at the Derby we were talking about before the show. Um, and you've came into pastoring. Now, it, it's been, I don't know how many, a couple, four. four years. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you've had that and your children are, were older at the time as well. Um, so I'm sure you had that sit down conversation, but what would you say to those who are thinking of getting in ministry of, of kind of discussing that before you, you get into this? Because it, as we've talked about it, it, it can be very taxing uh, on an individual. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really not to be entered into uh, until, you know, you have spent, uh, and of course there's, no defined amount of time, but, um, you know, until I guess uh, you, you kind of feel led by the spirit and that it's, it's time after a, a great season of prayer with your spouse, um, that, that has to take place beforehand along with just a lot of discussion. And, you know, and we, we had that, um, when uh, I was being called to uh, the first, uh, church that I pastored and, um, you know, that was a, a important discussion is how, how, you know, what she's asking me is how are you going to manage uh, working? And, you know, the kids are all involved in sports and, and different things. Um, and how are you going to, to, to manage that and take care of this church? And, um, you know, so we, we had to spend a lot of time in discussion and, and uh, and prayer and and as uh, Pastor Jason said earlier, I think uh, a huge point there is setting boundaries, which I had to do from the get go with uh, with the church. And you know, it's like you you're you're calling me as your pastor. Um, you're not you're not calling you know Cassie my my, my wife or you know my children. So you know we've got to kind of make sure that that you know those kind of boundaries are, are understood even though she knew that she was going to be as the title of this show in the fishbowl uh you know quite a bit and under the microscope which you know we're fine with but you know she she works uh full time as well and obviously takes a big uh big biggest if not all portion of uh taking care of the the home and and uh, the kids and and those kinds of things so um, but she she knew that it was going to be a uh, uh, very tough and, and under the microscope and the kids as well. So yeah, you you uh, unless you you've spent a great season of prayer with your spouse about this and the Lord has made it very clear you you don't you don't do it you don't go. Yeah. And what about in the instance because we, we, I want to get into when we do talk about children and some of the pressure that they may be be placed upon them. Um, I think a lot of times unintentionally, but we'll, we'll kind of get to that. Um, yeah. But what about when, you know, you are having a sermon there, Pastor Jason or, or Stephen, uh, we talked about, you know, earlier where you get some pushback from people within the church. 
and the wife may take the brunt of that and they have to, how, how do you as a, an, a pastor, um, go about handling a situation like that that could be helpful for us that do ministry, not pastoring ministry, but other ministry that we may do or other people who are looking to get into the pastorate uh, who feel called and led by the Lord to do so um, to kind of comfort their spouse in that, maybe taking that because they're hearing these things that are going up against their husband. And uh, I think just in the natural, the natural man wants to come out and make that defense. Like that's my husband and I'm going to defend him. But what, what do you, um, what would you guys say about maybe giving some advice on how you do, or maybe ways that, you know, we all could learn from to, 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 uh, um, comfort our wives in that situation that may arise. Yeah. So our kids are all in sports, you know, they're all doing different types of activities. Uh, and most of all of their sports have a rule where if you have a grievance against the coach or a referee or another player, another coach, whatever it is, another parent, you, you, you have to sit on it for 48 hours before you can go bring it to that official. Uh, and, and I've always just tried to not intentionally, but do something somewhat similar because there are times when someone will criticize something I've done not so much out of sermon pushback, maybe other decisions, doing this, cutting this program, this sort of ministry thing, uh, if changing a certain ministry to look a different way. Uh, and, and when that happens, sometimes my wife is the one that, you know, the, why is he doing this or what in the world, you know, this kind of thing. And your initial reaction as the husband is to want to defend your wife. Who's kind of gotten ambushed by a member where she may or may not even have had anything to do with whatever that decision is. And unless it's something that's super, super urgent, can't, can't wait. I, I try even myself to give it a, you know some time to breathe because I don't want to react to my church member as the husband. I want to react as their pastor and address the issue and not call them up and go, now, let me tell you something. You're not going to talk to her that way. Now I do include when I do speak with them, I let them know, you know, I, I was called to be your pastor. She was not. So if you have a question about what I've done, what I say, what I've, what I do, what I plan, don't plan, whatever you bring it to me, not to her. You know, you, you don't make comments about me to her and, you know, really not even compliments, just, just bring it all to me as all your grievances um, and let me deal with those. And I just, you have, again, it goes back to, just how, just how you have to set boundaries with your family on in your church about what time is spent where you have to set boundaries with what's okay to be said to your kids and your wife in the same way because sometimes kids are the take the brunt of that comment those comments you know too uh, and, and and you want them to understand listen you don't need to step to daddy's defense you don't you know i mean i guess there might be a character assassination situation could arise where, where some immediate response was needed but otherwise you don't have to step up and speak for dad dad can take care of it. You know, this comes with it. That's my battle to fight. Not for you to have to worry about. Just know that people say things, everybody sins and we, we're just going to keep showing them grace mm-hmm. or at least that, that's been, that's typically my approach or what I, what I like it to be when I don't forget myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would just echo pretty much the same thing that, uh, that Jason said. Um, you know, my, my wife is a very sweet Southern girl, but, you know, there's a there's a saying that you can take the girl out of Eastern Kentucky, but uh, you can't get the uh, Eastern Kentucky out of the girl. So uh, sometimes, you know, things might be said that uh, she would take offense to. And and, uh, you know, she's uh, this is ministry has been sanctifying for her as well. Hmm. And uh, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's a. Uh, part of it 
you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's taught her, all of us, uh, but certainly taught her how to, uh, how to show grace, uh, to others. And even when they, they say things that might be hurtful. Um, so, you know, that's all in the Lord's plan and sovereignty. Um, that's, it, it's those situations and things that he, that he conforms us into the image of Christ. So, um, you just got to keep that in mind and always have to, uh, remind her and myself, uh, you know, that uh, we, when we're having these discussions once we get home and uh, and she's just expressing how she she really feels at, at that moment because maybe something was, was said about her husband, um, you know, uh, and, and she expresses how she would like to react <laughs> in the flesh, uh, but not going to. And, uh, you know, I just have to remind her and, and myself that, you know, what if Christ was to, to, to treat us the way that you want to treat that person? Um, you know, so again, it's just a reminder of grace and that we have to show to people. And like Jason said, you know, people are sinners and, uh, and we all are, and uh, we're, we're all in need of more grace every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you're listening to this program and you're not a pastor, but you're in a, a, a biblically sound church and you have elders, pastors over you who are shepherding you, I think it's very important that we think about these things as well and consider these things. You know, we may not like a decision that that a pastor or another elder makes or, or that they put together for the church, um, but it's better for us to, to kind of sit down and have those conversations with them instead of going out and responding in the flesh uh, to something, right? And, and I'm, we've all been guilty of it, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, to consider these things so that we can be a blessing to our pastors and to the elders within that church. Uh, Mike, is there anything you'd want to add to that too? Yeah, I know. Um, just thinking in my own church, which thankfully is peaceful, we don't have a lot of fighting. Our business meetings go smoothly, and it is a great blessing, um, you know, with that. But I do think, um, you know, allowing, understanding controls, even with like the pastor's wife. So my pastor has four boys. And we have a rule in that at three years old, um, the kid's no longer to be a nursery and has to sit in the service. Well, on Sunday morning, she's functionally a single mother with three boys under the age of 10. Or, you know, and now a fourth one coming out, coming out of the nursery. I think in just thinking about those, um, you know, about just how hard Sunday mornings are for the pastor's wife also. Um, And to give grace. And we, as a church, I don't think I didn't hear any balking. Her kid was allowed to stay in a little bit longer to help train. Um, There's times where the pastor's kids have been called out on the pulpit because their mom was serving a nursery, which we all have to do being a smaller church and they were being bad. And just to, um, you know, he's a father too, trying to, you know, more publicly, but his kids don't always behave well. 
And I think, you know, again, it's extending that grace. It's hard enough to prep, to prep a sermon. You know, you spend your all week. um, And then with other things going on and, you know, the pastor's wife is taking care of the kids and trying to make sure everything is, they're not being distractive where my wife and I, we have two, we can kind of tag team and she's all alone. And yeah, just having that grace, like there is a sense in which he's working and she's trying to hold down kind of the fort at that time for the hour or hour and a half, whatever the service is for that time. And I think just thinking about that myself, just, I need the grace. I need strength to get through my work day when my kids are bugging me all day, um, kind of in this pandemic and they need the same thing and not to be the one who's like, why is the pastor kids always the one yelling in the middle of the service? You know, there's that um, offering that grace. Cause you know, if the mother is not there, he's at the pulpit, he's preaching and you know, to, to come around and help. And I think that's where I think a lot of times the churches is we hold the pastor to these great expectations, somewhat not realizing that we wouldn't want our kids at home when we're working, if we're working home or in the office with us in that way. And yet they have to, you know, as a family, as they gather together to hear the, the word preached, and I think, yeah, just having, just understanding some of these things that we want to do, but kind of by nature and as a pastor, they have to deal with and just extending some of that grace yeah, um, that we would want in those times. Yeah. And that's a great way to transition because I think when we look at the qualification, when you, in having, having control of your, your children in the home, you know, having, having that uh, authority over them, sometimes I think... People, again, I think unintentionally, maybe it's out of ignorance of, of the scripture, maybe they don't really understand that qualification that's that's laid upon a, a, a someone who's called to that position. But some may think that it means that the children must be believers and they must just be good, you know, children. But the reality is um, it's m- managing your household and being able to rule your household, control your household. It's not always that your children are believers. And so that is something that the parents and the pastor who has their children is, is trying to teach them and to uh, train them up in the things of the Lord. Uh, but we all sitting here know that salvation is of the Lord. And so while you're doing that, they may not come to the Lord at that time when they're a child. And so you're still trying to instill that in them, still have control of your house, but you also have to manage the fact that they're still children. They're un- regenerate children at times. So moving into that, that this kind of conversation now to children, Let's start with how how do you do that in ministry when you have an unbelieving child to not in yourself put this expectation on them, um, but also to to minister to them and realize the state that they're in, uh, as well as not because I've seen this happen where I've seen I've seen people even pastors who 
they want to think very highly that their children are safe. There's there's no evidence of fruit or anything in their life, but the child said a prayer, just like many many lay people have done, where the child has said a prayer, they signed a card or or whatever it may be, raised their hand in in the Awana program, uh, and therefore they're like, well, they they said that prayer, they're a Christian, you know, um, without maybe trying to see how I can phrase this, training your child who may not be a believer and also not. Uh, giving a false sense of insurance to your child who may not be a believer. Yeah. So what, what, how, how do you go about balancing and, and dealing with that there, Pastor Jason? <clears throat> so, so my, I think really set the good thing there. And that, that again is, is grace. As far as how, how we deal with our children, I ha- I have to not set the expectation on them, an, an unrealistic expectation. So just as we don't want, you know, our churches to set unrealistic expectations on us. It's a, it's a constant task for me and, and even, you know, the wife to remember, uh, these are, these are my children. They, they are, they are born sinful and, and they do have to come to Christ. So, you know, I try to, in that respect, deal with them as far as reacting to any sort of misbehavior or whatever in churches in particularly the same way that I would anybody else's kid. Oh, okay. You know, it, it is, it is what it is. It was a distraction maybe, or it was loud or it was whatever it was, but, uh, or they ran in the sanctuary. You know, I'm not going to grab my kid and be like, you're the, you're the pastor's kid. How dare you run in the sanctuary? You know, I'll treat him the same way I would any other child, just pull him aside and, and try to calmly explain, uh, you know, why something like that might not be okay or making the particular noises that they know better. Uh, because at the end of the day, they part of the problem is whereas everyone is watching rightly so in a certain to a certain degree the pastor and he is going to be held to a higher standard and we, and pastors are expected to live up to a different expectation uh, to a certain degree we're not infallible of course that doesn't that doesn't follow over to the pastor's kids to say you have to be super christians or less sinners than other people because you're the pastor's kids you know so they require that same patient, grace-filled discipleship that anybody else is going to require. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that I hit that mark perfect with our kids every time. I'm sure I don't. I'm sure if there's something that happens that, you know, embarrasses me, that it's, oh, I know it's a, it's a struggle within me to not let that boil over. I want to try to react to them with the discipline needed for whatever they did and not overreact out of the embarrassment or whatever that it might have caused me, because I also don't want them to grow up thinking that they can do something to embarrass dad, especially not in those, those scenarios. Uh, and then, and, and you touched on the whole, you know, the pastor's kids and the sinner's prayer. Of course, I, I thoroughly reject the sinner's prayer uh, as it usually is understood. Um, but, you know, we set, we set a good benchmark in our church. Uh, there was a practice there at one point of when a child was baptized at any age, they were automatically a member of the church. Uh, I stopped that when I got there. Uh, the first child to come to a saving knowledge of Christ or make a profession of such uh, under, under my time, there was my oldest daughter and she was about 10 years old when she expressed that desire and, uh, and prayed and what have you. And I, and I, she said, when do I get baptized? And I said, well, we're going to wait, we're going to wait, you know, till you're about 12, 13 years old. Let's give it some time. And then I'll talk to your Sunday school teachers and your mother and I will talk and pray. And we'll talk to some other folks in the church that interact with you on a, discipleship basis. And if, if they see fruit and we see fruit and we feel like what you're doing right now was genuine, then we'll go ahead, you know, and, and work you towards baptism. But you should just know that if, if you are saved, that baptism doesn't 
not having it or having it doesn't change that status. So don't don't go forward thinking, oh, I'm not really not really saved because I haven't been dunked yet, you know. And so uh, just trying to not to urge them into the kingdom without shoving them into the kingdom, if you will. Yeah. Amen. Anything you would add there, uh, Pastor Stephen? Well, I think, you know, in, in regards to children, I think while this is, uh, you know, such a important topic really even to be talking about because, you know, they, uh, they are more so um, under the microscope some and, and you know, the, a lot of people see that uh, why's the, why's the, the pastor's kids, the worst kids at the church and the most disruptive and so on and, and um, again, this is why this is important to talk about balance, um, because oftentimes uh, what what's probably happened, not saying that I mean every kid acts up, but um, but what what I've witnessed personally and some other uh, pastors that I've known is um, you know their kids have, have gone wayward, and um, but they were completely focused upon their ministry. They were completely focused upon taking care of the church and they were completely neglect. They were preaching the gospel in the pulpit, but they were not preaching it at home. And, uh, and I don't know what their home life is like. Maybe they were uh, living differently in front of their children as than they did in front of their church. I don't know. Um, but um, you know, that, that's a, it's a, it's a huge, huge uh, danger in all this is you know making an idol out of your ministry, not finding that balance and and uh, discipling your children, right? Shepherding your your children. You just because you know not at um, at the hospital visiting a, a someone uh, from church or I'm not uh, teaching Bible study on Wednesday night doesn't mean I stop being a pastor. Uh, if you're a pastor, you never stop being a pastor. You're you're twenty four seven. And, uh, and your first ministry is, is in the home. And so if you're not pastoring your own and discipling your own uh, children and your wife, then uh, you're, you're failing. And uh, you, you need to step back, repent, and uh, refocus on, 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 on your family because they, they are your first ministry. I know you, you've probably heard in, the, you know, in our street preaching circles of drilled into our heads, um, early on that, you know, you can, you can make an idol out of your street ministry, right? You can, uh, you can neglect your family for, you know, for your uh, street ministry. So we can, we can make a, an idol out of anything, including good things like, like street ministries and, and pastoring a church, but we just have to be very careful. That's not to the neglect of our children and our, and our wives because they come first. And, and I've told my, you know, church that from the very beginning is uh, you know my wife and my sons are my first ministry. They come first uh, before they do, before the church does, and uh, so that's uh, super important. That we, you can't just preach the gospel in the pulpit; you have to preach it at home. Right? Yeah, Amen. <coughs> yeah, I know um, a couple things there that came to mind uh, when you was talking earlier, Jason, about uh, you know being embarrassed of you know something your children have done. I mean. My wife and I, we, we had put our child in a, a Christian 
uh, school, you know, because um, it was hard for her. She was trying to do homeschooling, trying to balance that and work and do these things in the home. And so we had put him into a, a Christian school because he, he was young at that that point, And we thought it would be better for him to be there and they could put a little more attention. And she, you know, my wife was still trying to figure out the homeschooling stuff. And uh, this school was not, um, they did preach the gospel, but there was some liberal kind of things going on in this Christian school. And some people in this in this school, they did not really care much for the ministry that we do because they've seen us out in the festivals preaching the gospel, and they thought that the way we do evangelism was not the way to do it. And so they, they already have this character of, you know, the street preacher guy. Um, but it was our kid who was, we were getting the calls for him acting up in school all the time, you know, and so it was like, ah, you know, there's that, like you said, you know, trying not to get embarrassed of those things, but then trying to balance that. And then also, you know, with my wife and I, we have a blended family. So when we came together, she had already had five kids and uh, I had one and then we had one together. Um, But two of those children, they would come out with me on the streets and I didn't believe them to be saved, but they wanted to go with me on the streets. And I found out later that they were, they told me that the reason they were doing that was because they was trying for me to like them or to, you know, um, uh, have... uh, just to be proud of them in that sense. And I had to sit them down and say, look, I love you regardless of whether you want to come out with me on the street. I I love it if you want to come with me, but I don't want that expectation that you think you have to do these things for me to love you more or for me to, you know, uh, care about you more. And so for me, that's been a whole trying to really think through those things and say, okay, how am I balancing this you know, trying to do ministry as well as the family and, and, and doing it well to where I'm not neglecting them and not putting this um, uh, thoughts into their head where they, they hate Christianity and they hate ministry because, you know, they think they have to live up to these certain ex- expectations. Not that we don't have rules and, and standards in the home, but I mean, you know, just trying to balance those things. And that's some of the things that kind of came to my mind. Any any thoughts that want to go with that, Mike, or anything you guys want to jump in? Yeah, I think when we look at that passage <laughs> in First Timothy and also in Titus 1, um, and to consider that managing his household well doesn't mean he has perfect kids. It It's a sign of that they have, that he has control over them. They're still going to misbehave. They're still going to do it. But is he parenting them? Are they, is he managing him and trying to stop that stubborn one who keeps wanting to throw tantrums in the middle of the sermon because he doesn't like what his mom has said to him? Like, is he working on them? I think we need to, as you know, both um, Stephen and Jason has said, you know, to, to look at that and to think through it, this passage isn't perfect children. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is a, a pastor who is faithfully trying to manage his kids to bring them in, bring them, teach them just as I teach them and, and to do it and to think, to think through that. And, I mean, we jokingly at church will talk about, oh, look, the pastor kids doing it. Even the pastor's wife will go, up oh, there's the pastor kids again. <laughs> and like we kind of joke about that. Sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if others have like have put the pastor's kids 
um, at the pedestal, but we do kind of joke about how the pastor kid's messing up, usually along with my kids, so I can't blame them too much. And to to think, to have that grasp, this is a, a fallen man trying to lead a fallen family as best as he can. And we look at the the act of leading. Is he being intentional and trying to disciple his kids? Will they become a Christian? Will God will we'll see when God works, but is he raising his kids up in the fear and admiration of the Lord? Is this the same person that we see in the pulpit and, and to think through it and, you know, being around, you know, the pastor and seeing how they interacts. Um, I teach two of my pastor kids right now. I've taught the oldest one for a while and, you know, to, to understand, like to, at the same time to drill into them, like you need, just because you're the pastor's kid doesn't make you a Christian. You you need to do this um, and all of it. And as a group, they're not just because they're the pastor's kid. Um, I treat them differently. I don't, or try not to. And to, to be open, I think that's when we understand kind of the text and the point of the text. I think it helps us to better understand because at the same point, I don't want to be embarrassed also by my kids, whether I'm in ministry or not. And, you know, walking through JC Penney's, I don't want my kid throwing a tantrum in the middle of the men's department. And so, you know, holding that expectation too, am I doing what I need to do to manage my family? Cause that's what the Bible tells me to do as a father and also including mothers. And so I think, you know, we having the same standards for ourselves as our pastor, yeah. a fallen man. Yes. It's kind of more important because it's a qualification for his position, but in the end of the day, he's just a sinner saved by grace, just as I am doing the best that he can yeah. with the call on God to lead his people. And I think that's when, Again, it's reframing my mind as a lay, as a lay person to honor and respect my pastor because I'm called to, but to also understand he is a father, he's a husband, and he needs that same grace that I need as a father and a husband. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, we are getting ready to close down the program. So first I'm going to go ahead and... tell you about next week's show and then I'm going to come back and let uh, these pastors close us out here with any final thoughts that they may have. I want you to know next week, tune in G220 Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on their YouTube channel. Uh, We're going to have Daniel Knapp on the program. He is uh, the author of A Berean's Response to the Social Justice Gospel. It's a book that he has written. It's out. Uh, I've been reading it and uh, we will have him on to discuss it next week here on G220 Radio. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Uh, hope you've been in, enjoying this program here tonight. We would love to hear your feedback at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail.com. Uh, now we're going to close out this program. I think there's a lot here. Uh, I've been encouraged by it and edified by this, and I hope this is edifying and encouraging to you as well to consider these things, to think about these things, and I think really to just be gracious, whether you're the layperson in the pew or you're the one that's called into the ministry 
to to display grace and uh that's that's kind of one of the big things that I'm taking from this program here tonight. So, uh, Pastor Stephen, we'll start with you. Go ahead. Any final thoughts, and then we'll we'll close it out with Pastor Jason. Uh, five. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. And I think we all need that reminder um, that um, we we need to find that balance, and, and it's going to look different for uh, every single one of us here and everybody else in any form of ministry, depending on your, your situation, your context. So uh, really it's just, uh, it's just figuring that out for yourself, but always being aware um, that we, we need to make the best use of our time because um, that's all we have on, on this earth. And we need to use every minute of it uh, and glorifying our God and savior. Pastor Jason? Yeah, I, uh, I echo that sentiment. And, you know, just to, I think this, the, in closing, closing thought, uh, helpful for lay people, for pastors, is just to remember that, you know, the, the pastor is the under shepherd, but the wife and children, they're, they're a part of that congregation, the same as anyone else. And, and we ought to uh, be careful to pray for them, just as you would want them praying for you. If, if you've got a pastor who's you know their children are seeming unruly or they maybe even seem like they're going wayward uh, go go to your pastor or to his wife and find out how you can come alongside and help sharpen them uh, as well and help them disciple that child because it's it's tearing the pastor and his wife apart if something like that's going on especially in a wayward situation uh, and, and they're going to have to go it alone if no one you know, takes that time to come up and they may feel like they're having to go it alone. So, you know, just if you notice that sort of thing going on, uh, try to try to just be conscious to go up to them and, and find ways that you can maybe pray for them more or, or help with a discipleship need or whatever it may be just to try to, I think someone already said this, I think Mike said it, or, or maybe pastor Steven, whatever expectation you have that you want your pastor to have towards you or that you have towards your own children, try to have that same thought towards him and his family. And, and, and if we come together like that and we're the body of Christ and we're trying to all approach it with humility and love, then it should work out uh, one way or the other. Amen. Well, I really do appreciate having you brothers on. You guys have been on in the past, and uh, I appreciate both of you, appreciate the ministries that you uh, have that the Lord has given to you, and we will continue to pray for both of you. Uh, and again, thank you for coming on to G220 Radio tonight. Uh, that's been the program tonight. Again, tune in next week. Uh, until then, uh, God bless and good night.